At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Welcome to the Author Branch Show. I'm your host, Doug Crow. We're going to be talking to a very special guest today. And of course, he's going to have something intelligent, informative to tell us. It's not, that's just a joke there, that pre-roll. And you're going to want to take notes. If you don't, you can check the show notes below and check them out there. Um, our guest today is the founder and CEO of uh, Tourmaline Networks. It's a software engineering firm that developed the first email app for a smartphone. I'm really curious about that. Um, our guest is an angel investor. He's uh, invested in more than 50 startups. He's served on boards of profit and nonprofit organizations. He has a BS in engineering uh, from Harvey Mudd College and an MSEE from San Diego University. So without further ado, welcome to our show today, Mr. Eric Johnson. Eric, how are you? Great, great. Terrific. Glad to have you on the show today. Um, 50 startups, pretty impressive. Um, I'm guessing there's some secret formula you can share with us in a minute. Uh, secret for me is pick the right ones. Okay. And, and then keep track of what you invested in later. Okay. Well, that's great for investors. We're going to talk about the actual startup world today a little bit. I love to talk about those because no matter where you are, people are always restarting themselves up. So we'll, we'll chat about that. And, uh, I think you mentioned before the show started one key element above all else, which can spell success or failure for a company. And most people miss it because it's way too close who they are that's a hint don't say anything yet we'll cover that in a minute so if you have a, if you have a business and you're and concerned about starting or growth we're going to help you with that you might not like the answer but it's okay so uh eric how did you get involved in the uh in the engineering or in your whole history here you got started in um you know tech world tell us how you got started with that uh 10th grade my uh my roommate at high school's dad gave him a trash 80 computer Mm -hmm. So otherwise known as a TRS-80, he didn't touch it. I took it and started writing programs in basic, saved to a cassette tape. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just That's... dated myself. Yeah, you did. That's okay. Well, cassette tape's better than that. What was before cassette tape? So was that the uh, the big old discs or the five? Uh, no, that'd be the punch cards. <laughs> punch cards. Okay. Go back another decade. Yeah. Terrific. So, but you've had a, a great history here. Um, you, know, you started at an early age with that. Um what got you? I'm going to jump ahead. We'll come back to the the midterm of your life. I'm really curious about the um, the startup world. Um, you got involved with that. How you? What was your first one that you invested in? Uh, I guess myself, right? You're wrong, right? Okay. Um, the uh, company I was head of engineering, medium sized company in San Diego, mm -hmm. just went through a very painful uh, bankruptcy. Ah. I had to lay off everyone, and so I just contacted a few of my engineering buddies and said. It can't be any, it cannot possibly be worse than just what we just went through. Let's start our own company. Wow. And now we collectively, we had zero experience in, in startups. Sure. Okay. Right. You're just a bunch of smart guys who said it can't be that hard, huh? Well, I went to the bookstore because this is before Amazon and I bought a book and the title was How to Start and Incorporate a Business in California. That was my beginning. What, what was that business, the first one you started? What was the name of it? It was a consulting company. And okay. you had trouble with Termaline Networks. Why Termaline? Because that's I also surf. I still like to surf, ocean surf. And Termaline is a pretty well-known surf break in San Diego. And also the URL was not taken. Very important at the time. 
That helps. Yeah. Okay. So you're just consulting on on what kind of stuff, the software or the mobile stuff? Anything we could find. We we, okay. we launched this company right before the NASDAQ crash. So, you know, you just did whatever okay. you could. That's right. Okay. And so tell me about this first email app for a smartphone. What was that and who used it? What what decade was that when you did that one? Uh, that was, you know, we're in the 90s still, I think, or no, mm -hmm. early 2000s now. Sorry. And yeah. this is when the ver first smartphone just launched, the Kyocera. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, we, we remember that one now. Yeah. And we were uh, we went to the first uh, developers conference. It's called if you're a software mm -hmm. engineer, and they handed out mm -hmm. the first SDK, software developer kit, that was on a five-inch floppy drive. Remember, floppy yeah, yeah. disk. And we're running this little consulting company, and I'm just like, you have to call me like every hour because so I can tell you if there's any been interesting emails arrived or whatever i have no other way of communicating with all these consultants in the field yeah and then one of the my the guys working for me you know he played with the sdk and he says i think i can route our email to our new kyocera phones i'm like go for it and he, and he got it working and, and for anyone who's a program a program out there he only had 64k of memory to work at with this is just a, kind of a very efficient program he got yeah. it working and we called it Soda Pop Mail, and we were just using it, you know, among ourselves. And then he happened to show it to someone at Qualcomm, who at the time launched just the first um, app store. Yeah. And there, he, he was just like, "You got this working because we're under contractual obligation to deliver this product to AT and T." So, and the rest. Come on. Is so you you developed internally for yourself mm -hmm. to use. Showed the Qualcomm. Right. They said they've been. They had to. They had to produce something similar for AT and T. So they had to have an email oh app for AT and T. Literally weeks or months. So we had a, a quick deal was struck, and and then we were sell, licensing this product for two dollars a month to many thousands of customers overnight. Mm -hmm. It was it was kind of fun getting that yeah. check. Yeah. Yeah. How long did that last before? Uh, uh, a couple months, and then we were acquired. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that was the beginning of smartphones and downloadable right. apps. And when I tell my children today, oh, yeah, I made one of the first, you know, apps on the phones, they're just like, right, Dad, sure. They don't believe you? Well, they sort of believe me, I guess. <laughs> but there was no graphics. It was just email. So a little bit. It was, yeah, it was a text application. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Well, this this is was this before like the Palm the um the Palm Pilot stuff or no? Nah, this was in parallel. If yeah, if you if you had a BlackBerry back then, but remember, yeah. it was not quite the same. You know, it was a closed ecosystem, and I never right. owned one. I'm not even sure you could how you installed apps on it. Certainly did not have a store did. you could download from, and they were very right. expensive at the time. Right. Yeah, I don't remember. Usually, yeah. early adopt those things. I had a Palm Pilot. I had a BlackBerry. I didn't get one of the first iPhones. I waited till like number three or six came right. out before I got one of those, but. Yeah. yeah. And then Apple came out and launched their store and the re rest right. of his, his history there. Yeah. Okay. So you had, you had a, a healthy exit. Is that when you started investing in other companies or you just do know? Absolutely. Company? You know, it yeah. was not a huge exit, but I, I kind of looked at the money I'd made and I talked with my wife, her career was yeah. doing well. And I said, you know, I really don't have to work anymore in a traditional sense. Right. Yeah, we have three nice. kids at home. Here's the deal. I'll stay at mm -hmm. home, watch the kids and you let me, you know, this angel investor type of person right nice yeah. right so, so you must how many deals do you think you've looked at over the years as an angel investor oh hundreds yeah yeah okay and um what were some of the the best ones that you've done the, the winners that you'd like wow this is going well 
Um, you know, the there's been some moderate successes, and they just I guess sometimes they're just obscure. I mean, when I reflect reflect back on my angel career, it was a bit of a um, handicap. I mean, it's, San Diego is a beautiful place and good surfing, but it wasn't Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. So I kind of yeah. missed that way, which is fine because back then you tended to invest locally. Yeah. And nowadays, you know, with I mean, I'm a member. I'm, I'm a, I have an account with Angel List or whatever, and I invest all over the place just uh -huh. from my, you know, my my room right here. Sure. But back then, it was it was more in person. Right. Okay. And okay. so, you know, there was no really big name successes back then. You know, you know, and that's, that's, yeah, that's one of the things that I, I, I when I you know, talk to my other friends in that world, they're always you know, looking for the unicorn, but they're bypassing like companies that can do really well without having to become, you know, bazillionaires. They can just mm -hmm. do a nice five or 10 X. Is that, is that still to some, do some angels I, look at something which is more modest or not? Absolutely. I would, yeah. I'd be very happy. You know, that's, that's kind of what I look for right now. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, a company I'm involved with right now is, is an e-bike company. And if I get 10 X return on that, I'm, I'm very happy, you know, right. Right. and, and things like that, you know, I'm not shooting for a million X. I think yeah. maybe that day will come again. I don't know. Maybe if you invested early in AI right now, you're doing very well. But. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So uh, e-bike company is one that comes to mind. It was a local company, local people doing it or what? Well, everything's kind of virtual. I guess it's local, you know, okay. but, you know, the CMO lives in Austin, the CEO uh, yeah. lives in San Diego, whatever. It all works. Right. right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then we'll come back to the, the successes. I want to hear about a, a clunker, too. Do you have any, like, something you oh. thought, this is going to go great, and it totally oh. tanked? Absolutely. And I don't want to name specific names. No, we won't the names. Just, one particular company industry. that I thought yeah. for certain had a really good algorithm for making right. cell phones more efficient, consume less mm -hmm. power. Yeah. Wasn't true. Just wasn't true in the end. That's all I can say. <laughs> just, just. Is, so what happened? Why did, why was it untrue? Was it that they made a mistake or they just, was it a lie? I mean, what was it, what happened to it? You know, yeah. I think that in the beginning they thought they could do it. And yeah. then, and eventually, you know, you start to realize this problem is much harder than you thought and yeah. maybe wasn't being quite truthful anymore. It's hard to say, you know, yeah, in this type right. of situation, people, and I acknowledge, you know, when you're a company and you're starting to flounder and you're losing money, maybe you start stretching the truth to keep it alive a bit yeah. longer. Yeah. Well, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I worked at a, a startup that was uh, called PowerClip. It was a cell phone holder that you also charge your phone for you. And this right. was the uh, StarTech times, you know, so the StarTech, the flip phone and the, and the uh, Nokia, Nokia days. So it was battery power was much higher consumption then and batteries weren't as good. So it had right. a lot of legs, but the development couldn't keep up with the amount of new phones that were coming out from mm -hmm. the provider. So it didn't, it didn't work out well, but uh, you know, they raised a few million bucks, but case sera sera. So at the beginning of the show, uh, we talk offline about the, the key thing, right? There's people always look at money and the executive team and the idea, and the marketing, all these things that make a startup either, you know, sink or swim. And you told me one key secret, there's one thing that of over all those things that always makes the biggest difference and could be a, a, uh, a linchpin for success. And you said it was the CEO. The person in charge, yeah. CEO, the person in charge. And um, I'm going to make a distinction between the CEO and a founder, yes? Yes. 
I mean, the CEO could be the founder. I was a CEO founder. Right. And in small companies, they tend to be CEO founder. Yeah. Um, what do I mean? If I look at all my successes and losses, you know, what the pattern's becoming clear that a successful startup CEO, that's a smart person, that's a given, mm-hmm. but also has to be a very hardworking person. Not crazy hours, but you know, mm-hmm. you you gotta focus. Right. And really important this person needs to be able to multitask and be very efficient. Right. And and start using and attracting other talented people. And then mm-hmm. it starts multiplying the effect there. Yeah. And then I always the word that always comes to my mind is pivot, is that the good CEO will recognize when you're going down a dead end and say, All right, turn right. You know, we need to make a change to this product here and go after this market. Right. And that's 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 you know the pattern I recognize. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's there's companies I've invested in where the CEOs are very smart, but just can't finish a product, for example, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. they developed the wrong product. You know, there's no customers actually willing to pay for it. Probably. Right. Right. How are you able to discern that when you're looking at, you know, a pitch deck and just chat with them? Can you, you have some specific questions or due diligence you do to find that out? That's that's a really good question, you know, because mm-hmm. if it's you know if it's a, a true startup and this person has never done it before, you know, who knows, right? Now if the yeah. person has a proven track record, they're probably not going to come to angel investors, are they? So, hmm. interesting. They will, they will probably go straight to uh, some VC if they have such a strong track record. They don't, know right? Any, or they have their own money to invest in the company mm-hmm. to start, mm-hmm. right? So what do you do then to find those uh, or try to find those golden nuggets when you're doing it? How do you, how do you find out? You know, you just, you just, you know, you can talk, you can, you know, have them explain the business plan. You just got to get to know them, I think. Yeah. Right. You know, okay. the, the, the TV shows where they do the 10 minute pitches. I, I've been through that as well. And that's, yeah. that's kind of, that's kind of a ridiculous filter. Really to well, yeah, sense. that's, that's, that's entertainment. That's not real. Um, Correct. Yeah, that's I, I know that. I hope people understand that, right? When you watch Shark Tank, um, it's not anything to do with the real world of startups. It's just a you know, it's a completely right. different environment for sure. And it's it's I've read something that they actually taped like an hour or two for each of those segments and it's highly edited down mm-hmm. those 10 minutes just for the entertainment yeah. value, right? Because it's yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. Um is there any any deals that you've worked on that you were surprised that it did so well? You think, hey, I'll give it a Hail Mary, but it it did better than expected. Um, that that would be the ones that wildly exceeded my expectation. As I did get involved in the crypto space, not not yeah. in the wild, you know, speculative stage, but you know, I actually early on mm-hmm. looked at a couple and said, and one of them they made a lot of sense to me was Filecoin at the time, mm-hmm. and I got a really nice exit out of that one. Okay. Um, you know, it, it helps that with my engineering background. I also have a background strong economically because why that's why I wrote my book. Um, yeah. I also understand encryption and just all the pieces together. And when my son said, hey, dad, read this white paper on Bitcoin, I said, well, this is interesting. Yeah. And I just made my standard investment in that space. You know, I just uh-huh. had a standard amount I put in startups and right. my son said, are you crazy? I go, it's just another startup in my mind. Yeah. Right. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. So, 
And then I probably did that with about five or six other uh, cryptos, just my yeah. standard investment amount. And most went nowhere and some did really well. But And let people know how that works in your world as a, you know, as an investor that you spread yourself out amongst, like how many deals do you spread out knowing that you're going to lose a bunch and, and make something on one or two or three? How does it work? Well, you know, the, the, the general rule of thumb is about 10%. And I, I believe that is proven itself with me at least. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. I mean, most startup investments just, they don't fail. They don't succeed. They just right. slowly go nowhere from an investor point of view. Yeah. And right. every once in a while, I have to go through my list and say, hey, I haven't heard from this company for a year. And I got to reach yeah. out and ping them and say, are you guys still right. alive? What's going on? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And when they fail, good. I, I have my tax write-off now, even though it's been diluted by inflation, you know, and Right. If they're still alive, but barely alive, I kind of say, hey, you guys sure you don't want to shut things down? <laughs> like, oh, you need a tax break. Shut down. I know. And, but, Do you, yeah. Anyway. Do you ever offer advisory services when you invest like that? Or is it, does it depend on the deal? Uh, you know, most investments are passive. You can't yeah. possibly keep track of all of them. But some mm -hmm. I do through um, indirectly through uh, syndicates now which yeah. I kind of like because mm -hmm. they are now the one that very actively monitors things. And I've, I've yeah. had some successes through syndicates. I like to invest right. in things that are space and rocket related. Yeah. And, and those are going quite well. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, but, you know, but then the few I'm directly involved in, I'm on the board. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just all over them. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. 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 But, uh, is that, a, um, is that the gestation for the book? That you're, you're going to talk about oh here? no that book's completely independent now, that, okay let's talk about your book then oh sure um so the book it's uh what the hell is an economy which my my artist suggested i call it and uh so the i wrote that book actually started with notes for my children mm -hmm. okay so this is after i've had financial success and i'm i'm starting to think I kind of want my children to, you know, take care of me when I get older and not squander all my money. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so I know. So I started writing notes, you know, on because you know, I had taken an interest when the housing market collapsed. Yeah. And I asked, I, I'm just a pure engineer. And I'm like, wow, I didn't see this one coming. Yeah. You know, why was that? So I just started reading books in economics and kept reading and reading and started holding these bi-weekly gatherings at my house where all we could do was talk economics no politics huh. and I'd, yeah. I'd give you free drinks uh -huh. i did that for years huh. and just between those meetings and reading the books i started to realize just how powerful this information is yeah you know it's it probably won't help you as a startup unless you're a startup in the financial space i have invested mm -hmm. in several of those right um but mostly it's just you know, once you do have, you know, a nest egg of, of any type, you, you know, it just brings you peace of mind. You know, I can, when I read the paper, I, I kind of know exactly what's going on now with the, you know, the whole interest rates and unemployment yeah. rates and, you know, all the, the scary news out there, but I doesn't bother me. I just sip my coffee and keep reading. It's like, oh, this is all very predictable. Yeah. So, but it's, it's not the most interesting topic in the world, you know, economics well it depends you know if you're if you're into numbers it can be and since since you are very comfortable with with things that are going on give us your prediction i think it's going to get uh, better or worse in 2023 
Well, I think that interest rates are going to continue to creep up. That's mm -hmm. no secret there, which of course has a short-term diminishing uh, yeah. power, whatever, uh, force mm -hmm. on housing prices. We all know housing prices are going to settle down a bit. Mm -hmm. um, the, the really the, the the one that's really hard to predict is in the long term is if this inflation continues, of course, everything goes up in price. Sure. Yeah. And unless your wages and salaries are keeping up, you know, it's people might just find it a little harder to make ends meet, you know. And yeah. it, what bothers me a lot is every year there's this like, you know, record amount of uh, spending or, you know, the, the stock market's an all time high. And I'm like, well, of course, with 6% inflation, everything keeps going up in price, whether it's yeah. eggs or stock markets or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. It all boils down to the standard of living. Mm -hmm. um, is mm -hmm. the standard of living improving for people on average? I'd say probably not. I think it's kind of slightly diminishing. Things are mm -hmm. just getting a little harder. And yeah. on top of that, we have some big challenges. I mean, COVID just really was a big economic hit It was, a, it was for us. a wild card, right? We didn't, I mean... Yeah. Housing went crazy and jobs went down. It was weird. Yeah. Very yeah, that was, that was a tough, tough one for us to absorb as an economy. And now, you know, there's this big push to make the world, you know, carbon neutral. That's going to be incredibly economically expensive to achieve. Yeah. Right. And do we right. really have the willpower to do that? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe. I don't know either. So your, your book was, was kind of written for, uh, for, for your kids or for, for yourself for legacy or who's the audience for this what well that's why it, my children are like 20 to 30 something and so yes yeah. their initial target was millennials okay because i figured someone who's older they're they're not going to read you know they're, they're they're not interested in economics yeah. anymore but i figured right. hey if you're young and just starting off this is probably valuable information moving sure. forward yeah now i have found though that i have readers of all ages except mm -hmm. i don't think there's any any high school level yet though but right Okay. All right. Great. So it's available on uh, Amazon, Barnes Noble, wherever. Yeah, you I tried to hard copy first. You know, I self-publish, and making a hard copy mm -hmm. book is kind of painful, actually. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Kindle is really easy, and I can sell so. it really cheap because I'm I'm not interested in making money in a book. I'm just yeah. getting the word out, and that that right. price is actually the minimum Amazon will let me charge. So just what? How much? Two ninety nine for 299. the Kindle. Okay. Yeah. What, uh, what the hell is an economy? Go to what the hell is an economy.com, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like that. WTH oh, spell out yeah. is an economy.com. Just click in the show notes below, folks. All the exact URLs there. Don't listen to what I say. Eric's got it right. It's that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, any last words of uh, wisdom for people who are um starting up or want to understand the economy? Startups just go for it and mm -hmm. don't give up. Right. Okay. That's, I, I have such admiration for right. people that choose to be an entrepreneur. It's critical yeah. to our economy, to our society, mm -hmm. to what separates us from the rest of the world right. is our culture of entrepreneurism and it should be embraced. That's right. Oh, and I don't think you actually called out the, the one fail, the one constant fail with most startups. Do we say it was a CEO? I don't know if we said that. Yeah, yeah, kind of well. Right? Yeah. Well, specifically you run it fails when you run out of money. And the question is, why yeah. did you run out of money? Yeah. Who, yeah. Who's in charge of that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Why why did the investors not decide to pony up more? Right. They keep it yeah. going. Confidence in the uh the leadership. Big yeah. one.
Terrific, Eric. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Folks, go to WTHisaneconomy.com. In the show notes below, check out Eric's book, Smart Man. And if you uh, want to learn about uh, investing in companies, don't call him, I guess. You don't want to talk about that? No? Yes. Oh, no. Absolutely reach out to me from my okay, website. Great. Ask me questions. I'll All answer. Right. Appreciate that so much. Thanks for being on the show today. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. You bet. And that concludes our show for today and off your brand show. You're going to want to take notes. And if you didn't take notes, click below. They're all there for your viewing. And check out Eric's book. Looks like a winner. Thanks again. See you next time.